Good afternoon, brethren. I believe that the Lord has kept you well and that he has continued to take care of you under the shadow of his mercies. It's another wonderful time that we wish to talk about proper dress. What is an appropriate and a becoming dress? Because we know that in dress, as in all things else, it is a privilege to honor our Creator. And that is because he desires our clothing to be not only neat and healthful, but appropriate and becoming. And that's why we should seek to make the best of our appearance. If we are taken back to the tabernacle service, God specified every detail concerning the garments of those who ministered before him. And many times those who want to minister before God, they, want, they don't want it to be specified when it comes to the manner of dress that they should be adorned in. That is because many do not want to go back to the word of God and understand what principles that does he lay down when it comes to proper dress. And thus we are taught that he has a preference in regard to the dress of those who serve him. Because if we go to the pattern of the sanctuary service in the, in the word of God, a proper understanding of it will show that God has a preference he has a preference in regard to the dress of those who serve him. Very specific were the directions given in regard to Aaron's robe, if we remember, for his dress was symbolic. So the dress of Christ's followers should be symbolic. And in all things, we are to be representatives of him. Our appearance in every respect should be characterized by neatness, modest, and purity. Welcome to this episode where I am going to talk about proper dress. I am your host, Lango. Evans. Now, we get that uh, by the things of nature, the flowers, the lilies, Christ illustrates, Christ has been able to illustrate the beauty that heavens value, the modest grace, the simplicity, the purity, the appropriateness that will make our attire pleasing to him. Through very simple nature, like he talks about the lilies, he talks about the flowers and the beauty that covers them. And from there we can, we can draw principles. And this is an absorbing topic because uh, we know very well that character may be judged by style of dress. That the dress and its arrangement upon a person is generally found to be the index of the man or the woman. And many times we only want to shift this discussion to be on the side of the women. But we know very well that the dress and its arrangement upon the person is generally found to be the index of the man or the woman. Not only the woman, but also the man. That's because we judge a person's character by the style of dress worn. A modest, godly woman or man will dress modestly. A refined taste, a cultivated mind, will be revealed in the choice of simple, appropriate attire. When we talk about simplicity, not only does it have to be simple, but it has to be simple and an appropriate attire. Now, the one who is simple and unpretending in her dress or his dress and in her manners shows that she understands that a true woman is characterized. She understands that a true woman is done what? Is characterized by moral worth. Now, how charming, brethren, how interesting is simplicity in dress, which in comeliness can be compared to the flowers of the field. So, this wonderful afternoon, we are going to look at the guiding principles 
when it comes to proper dress. One of the guiding principles. There's no way God uh, will have uh, shown the pattern of dressing that he desired in the tabernacle service, showing that he had a preference for the kind of dress that Christians should be adorned in without giving us principles of dress in his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this wonderful afternoon. We ask of you that as you are going to enter upon these solemn subjects, Heavenly God, that may you give us humility, Father God. May our minds not be robbed away from the simplicity that was in Christ Jesus, Heavenly Father. May we get the principles, Father God, from your word, so that you be able to understand that which you desire of us, Heavenly Father. What is your preference in regards to those who call themselves by your name, Heavenly God? All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Now, we have said that there are guiding principles in the, in the word of God, and these are the guiding principles that we are going to look into in this episode, understand. Uh, we'll have uh, several parts for this episode. This is just the first part of this episode. We'll have another part, another part in regards to, to dress. We go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 10. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 10. We get a guiding principle when it comes to, to dress. Hebrews 2, verse number 10. What does the Bible say? It says this, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So here we get the principle that Christ is the captain of our salvation. And what is the, why is the title of a captain used here? He is a captain because he is the leader of an army. He is the leader of a battalion of armies. And this battalion of armies are good soldiers of Christ. So Christ is the captain of our salvation. And when he has, is the, when he is the captain of our salvation, then he has got the, the right to, to give his commands when it comes to the manner of proper dress. So in Hebrews 2.10, we get the principle that Christ is the captain of our salvation. And why is he called the captain of our salvation? Let us go to 2 Timothy and draw another principle. Then we, we bring out the point. Why is Christ the captain of our salvation? And why is it important to understand that Christ is the captain of our salvation? And what has that to do with proper dress? Uh, the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3 and 4, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. While Christ is the captain of our salvation, we are the true soldiers. We are true Christian good soldiers. Now the question comes, in every battalion of armies, are they always identified by a uniform? Yes. You can know the soldiers of a given country by their manner of what? Adornment, by how they dress themselves. And we know very well that also us, we are good soldiers of Jesus Christ and him being the captain according to Hebrews 2.10. Then it means that as a, as a group of soldiers, as a battalion of armies, we also have a uniform we should, we, we should be recognized with. And when we talk about a uniform which we should be recognized with, it means that while in a primary sense we might be talking about the garment of good deeds, the garment of Christ's righteousness, on a secondary sense also, as soldiers of Christ, we should be identified. You see, when you, when you see a soldier of a given nation, Many times you will identify that they come from a given nation because of how they are done what? They are dressed. And now, brethren, if we are soldiers of Christ, why is it that we don't want to be identified by our manner of dress? So true Christians are good soldiers. And Christ being the captain, and true Christians being good soldiers, why is Christ the captain? 
and why are true Christians good soldiers? It is because there is a warfare. And many times we have not been identified on which side of the warfare we are in because we dress improperly. We dress improperly. Improper dress has made it hard for us to be identified on which side of the warfare are we. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 to 17 talks about the warfare. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 to 17 says this, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual darkness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparedness of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Look at this dress. It is the whole armor of righteousness. But remember, as we have said, that while on a primary sense there is the whole armor of righteousness, there is the true uniform of righteousness, we are talking about proper dress when it comes to the secondary aspect of his, of dress, what, what we see, the arrangement of dress upon a person, and what it tells about on which side of the warfare do they stand for. So we are in a real warfare, and contending armies always have different uniforms, as we have said. So when people look at you, which uniform, by your uniform, on which side will they identify you? Because if you dress contrary to how Christ, to Christ, well, when you dress contrary to Christ's preferences, it shows that you are on the other side of the of the battle. You are supporting the enemy because true, true contending armies are always identified by the different uniforms that they had. Let's go to Genesis three seven. We are laying principles in this in this uh, first, uh, in this episode, but we'll have other episodes that will continue to dig deeper. But remember the principle that you have already laid, that we have a captain, and a captain is a captain over soldiers, and soldiers are in a war, and two contending armies always have uniforms. So while people look at the world and look at the church, there should be a distinguishing line when it comes to how they adorn themselves. They can say that this one is a soldier of Christ by how they dress. This one is a soldier of the world by how they, they do what they dress. Let us look at Genesis 3.15, whereby the fashion industry of the devil was introduced. Genesis 3, verse 7, not 15, Genesis 3.7. Genesis 3.7 says this in the book of Genesis 3.7, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. What principle do we draw there? That when Adam and Eve were wholly under the control of Satan, they dressed according to his mind. Their dress did not properly cover either the upper or lower part of the body. How do we know that? Just uh, from, from common sense. What part of the body does the apron cover? And remember, it is after they had fallen in sin that they come and they sew fig leaves together and make themselves aprons. And we have seen that that dress, the principle that we draw there is that that dress was a dress that came after they were now wholly under the control of Saturn. They dressed according to his what? Mind. And here we see uh, the beginning of the devil's fashion industry that has swept over the world. So the dress did not properly cover their upper part 
or lower part of the body or even their, their backs. And we have seen such manner of dress which does not cover the upper part or lower part of the body. What is How does an apron look? We can just get that, that, that and understand the kind of fashion that, that was here. But how do we know that it was now, it was a dress that, dif- that was different from the, from the plan of God? It is because after they had sealed themselves fig leaves, they had done it according to themselves, God now comes again and God placed enmity in their hearts against the devil and he changed their manner of dress and clothed them. God did not accept them in his service half clothed. That's why in Genesis 3.15, in Genesis 3.15, Genesis 3.15, in Genesis 3.15, what do we read? And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and he shall bruise the head and thou shalt bruise his ill. Then we go to verse 21. After putting enmity between uh, the seed of the woman and the seed of the, of the serpent, in verse number 21, what does he do? And unto, unto Adam and his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothe them. Why did God have to clothe them? Because they were half clothed. Why were they half clothed? Because they were under the control of the devil after sin had taken hold of their minds and they dressed according to the mind of the devil. And after they had had enmity between them and the enemy, now they were given a change of dress. He changed their manner of dress and clothed them. God did not accept them in his service half-clothed. Do you go to God's service half-clothed? And when you go to God's service half-clothed, it shows who has control of your mind from the principle that we draw in Genesis 3.7. So whose fashion, whose fashion industry do you, do you live up to? Or do you, do you dress according to God's preference of dress? Or do you dress according to the fashion industry that has been instigated by the devil? A cloth that is someone who is half naked. And today people not only walk half naked, they walk stuck naked. Now we know very well that when one joins the army of the Lord, he should dress differently to the world. And that's why there's no way you can claim or I can claim to be in the army of the Lord. But I dress like the, like the world. We can get that principle from Numbers 15. Let's go to Numbers 15. We draw that principle. We're just drawing principle, principles. Numbers 15, 38 and 39. Numbers 15, 38 and 39. It says this, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garment throughout their generations, that they put upon the fringes of their border a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord. Back then they had in their garments, they had a fringe at the border of their garments. And this ribbon of blue, when they looked at it, it will remind them of the commandments of God. When you look at your dress does it remind you of the commandments of god does your manner of dress remind the world that you are a soldier in the in, in the in the army of the lord because they had a garment to draw here a principle and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the lord and do them and that seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye used to go a hoarding and this is where the problem comes that many times when we don't properly dress in a manner that will remind the world that we are of the Lord. In a manner that will remind people that we are of the Lord. Many a times it will either lead us, our hearts and our eyes, to go after a whoring, or it will lead the hearts and the minds of them which see us to go a whoring. How many people have led others to go a whoring by just coming naked in the service of God? 
to go ahoring by coming naked before before the world not only in the service of God but in their manner of of work and where, wherever they are so we get here a principle that our dress when we look at it when others look at it it should remind them and it should remind us of the laws of God it should remind us of the laws of God and for it to remind us of the laws of God it should be a dress that is in a manner that is arranged upon a person according to the preference of God and in the in the following episodes we shall look at these preferences now let's go to Isaiah 3:16:24 look at what God says has brought pride in man uh, Isaiah 3:16:24 there's a very exhaustive list about things that God abhor that has brought pride in man Isaiah 3:16-24 he says this moreover the Lord said because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion and the Lord will discover their secret parts why how does he uh, how does he describe the condition of these people is that they are haughty they have wanton eyes and why are they haughty and have wanton eyes and if you go to second timothy chapter 3 talks about the condition of the last days and says that in the last days there shall be difficult times and one of the things that it mentions about the condition of the world is that people will be haughty people will be haughty that will be the condition of the last days generation people will be haughty and this haughtiness has been seen in the manner of dress and the manner of dress that has brought about this haughtiness we get the principle in isaiah 3 from verse number 16 to verse number verse number 16 to verse number 24 what are these things that are, have made this people haughty he says in that day the lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments yeah tinkling ornaments about their feet and their coals and their round tires like the moon the chains the bracelets that is chains and the mufflers and the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablet and the earrings and the rings and the nose jewel and the changeable suits of apparel and the mantles and the wimples and the crisping pins the fine linen and the hoods and the veils and it shall come to pass that instead of sweet smell there shall be stink there are many because of these things much of these things that have been mentioned here they have come before the service of god and have not caused any sign of humility to be seen but they have caused a stink in the service which is supposed to be a perfect offering they have caused a stink in the world look at the things that have been mentioned here the chains these are things that people are always willing to fight for to retain many are not willing just to give a ring or a nose jewel for the service of christ they are willing to fight to retain it and in the principle here god says that these are the things that have made people haughty and in second uh, timothy chapter 3 one of the signs of the last days is that people will be haughty and they'll be haughty in that they will desire and they'll stick they'll be ready to die than to forgo some of these things here that have been mentioned as causing the haughtiness now isaiah 3:16 is that the haughty have always worn these ornaments of the world that is what we get a principle there that the haughty have always worn these ornaments of the world Now let us go to the book of Proverbs chapter 7 verse number 10 is that even the bible knows that there are those which are there are those ornaments which are identified with the with the world and that's why in God's preference of of dress what is proper dress is proper dress the principles can be found in the word of in the word of God and in his word he has said that he has a disliking for much of those things that have been mentioned there Isaiah chapter 3 uh I not Isaiah Proverbs chapter 7 verse number 10 Is the Bible clear about a uh, proper dress? Let us go to the book of Proverbs chapter 7 verse number 10. What does it say? 
and behold they are met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart yeah so even the bible knows that there is an attire that belongs to a harlot so a sober person should come and to the word of god and try to distinguish how does the word of god define the attire of a christian and how does the word of god define the attire of a harlot because in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 10 it says very clearly and behold they are met him a woman with the attire of a harlot so harlots are known by their dress. And this is something that is very common. There is a manner of dress that when someone puts on, it will be known that this person has put on this dress and they are harlots. And because today very many people have, uh, are dressing inappropriately, it, the line of distinction is almost, is almost uh, lost. Someone cannot distinguish who is a Christian and who is a harlot because the Christians dress like the world. But back then, before man became so high-minded, it was easy to distinguish that this dress is the dress of harlot. But even if you cannot distinguish it from the world, come to the word of God. How does God describe his manner of dress? Because he has a preference for what? For dress. So we know that harlots are known by their dress. You can also get that principle in Genesis 38, 15, that a harlot is known by their dress. Now let us go to 2 Kings chapter 9, verse number 30. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse number 30. In this episode, we are just drawing principle. From this principle, already you can see that the issue of dress is not a trivial issue. It's not a trivial issue because God has a preference. And from this principle, you know that even the word of God knows that there's a dress for harlots and there's a dress for a Christian man or a Christian woman. Second Kings chapter 9, verse number 30. What does it say? Second Kings chapter 9, verse number 30 says, And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. Who was Jezebel? Jezebel was a harlot. Let us look at the character of Jezebel expounded in the book of Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2. So when Jezebel saw Jehu coming, she painted her face. And who was Jezebel? Second, uh, second, uh, not second, Revelation chapter, chapter 2 says uh, this that now it's standing verse 20 now it's standing i have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman jezebel which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce the servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols so jezebel which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication she is a harlot because she teaches the servants of god to commit what fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto whom idols mm -hmm. behold i will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. This is there's a prophetic uh, and, uh, and there's there's a prophetic teaching in that, but we take it at as it reads to see the character of, of Jezebel. That Jezebel was a harlot. And what is the character of a harlot according to the book of Second Kings chapter nine verse number thirty? Is that they paint their face? How many paint their face today, claiming to be to be to be to be people to be daughters of God, claiming to be men of God? But they come painted in the house of God. They come painted in the world. And according to the word of God, it is hallowed who are known with that character. So, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. We draw another principle. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. So, do you call yourself a Christian? But in real sense... You are a daughter of Jezebel. Mm, how can we know that? Dress is an index to character. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3 
to 5. What does it say? First Peter chapter 3 verse 3 to 5. It says this. Likewise, let us begin from verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be, be warned by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear. And by the way, the name Jezebel means chaste, but she was not chaste. And that is the character of many Christians. They claim to be chaste, but their manner of dress does not portray them as chaste. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Who's adorning? Your adorning, let it not be that of outward adorning, of plating of the air, and of wearing of gold, and of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of a great prize, of a great prize. That someone who has known God, is someone who knows that what is very important is a hidden man of the heart. And when the hidden man of the heart is not corruptible, who has an when the hidden part of the heart is an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, a meek and quiet spirit will dictate that also they go according to the preference of dress that Christ does what? Desires. For after this man of us five, in the old times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. But the husbands are, not, are also let, not left out. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So we have been given that holy men who trust God do not adorn themselves according to the dictates of the world. They adorn themselves in a manner that will show that they are of a meek and quiet spirit. Who is a meek and lowly in heart? Christ says, come unto me and I'll give you to rest. Learn of me, for I am meek. When we say that they are of, of a meek, of a meek and quiet spirit, many times people use this verse to say that God only looks at the heart, does not look at, at what we wear. But remember, when Christ calls us, he calls us, he calls us to his meekness. And we call, when he calls us to his meekness, it is because we love him and anybody who loves him should do what he prefers. And he has a preference when it comes to dress. 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 10, we get that God people should dress in modest apparel. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, is very clear that God's people should dress according, should dress in modest apparel. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. We have just drawn principle and we shall continue to build on this, understand what is proper dress. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. What does it say? It says, in like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefedness and, sobri and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all the subjection and all the rest. We are reading verse 9 to 10 that God's people should dress in modest apparel. And this subject does not only refer to women, but also men. Remember where we, we began. That dress and this arrangement upon the person is generally found to be the index of the man or the woman. Jezebel was known to be a harlot by how she arranged her garments upon her, herself. Now, brethren, Christians should not take pains to make themselves a gazing stock by dressing differently from the world. But if when following out their convictions of duty in respect to dressing modestly and healthfully, they find themselves out of fashion, they should not change their dress in order to be to be like the world, but they should manifest a noble independence and moral courage to be right, if all the world differ from them. If the world introduce a modest, convenient, and hateful mode of dress, which is in accordance with the Bible, that is the, the bullet point, which is in accordance with the Bible, it will not change our relation to God 
urged the world to adopt such a style of dress. Christians should follow Christ and make their dress conform to God's word. They should shun extremes. They should humbly pursue a straightforward course, irrespective of applause or of censure, and should cling to the right because of its own merits. So brethren, that's the episode today. We shall continue with other episodes and see what does God require of us when it comes to preferences of dress. God bless you and have a blessed afternoon. We shall meet in another episode. Amen and amen.